Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched The Handmaiden, directed by Park Chan-wook and released in 2016. The plot of the movie goes something like this. A Korean woman becomes the handmaiden of a Japanese heiress. Yeah. So we didn't get to see this when it came out. I don't think it got an Australian release, if yeah. I remember correctly. Or, or if it did, it came out in, in only in major cities. And that plot summary is very, very short, and I've done that deliberately because I feel like it's better to not know too much about it if you're going into this movie. Yeah, I think maybe you could give away a little bit of the beginning of it, but beyond that, mm. it, there's a lot of twists and turns and things that you probably wouldn't want to give away, so we better do our spoiler-free section. Yeah. Even though it's a two-year-old movie because it didn't yeah. really get much of a release here. Yes, if you, it's, but it is now on at least Australian Netflix. Um, so if you have Netflix, uh, you can, can watch it on there. And you may not – if you've heard anything about this movie, you've probably heard that it's about Korean lesbians. And that sort of does it a bit of a disservice. It's a very, and That is technically true. But there is quite a bit to this movie and it's mm. very engaging. Definitely earns the R rating though. So very much an adults-only movie. There's some fairly disturbing stuff in there. I don't want to go too much into it. Yeah, I don't. I also don't want to go into it because I don't want to spoil anybody. But like, if you have, you know, you have triggers, maybe go and look up the some plot the, summary yeah. before you go to it, so that we don't have to spoil anybody. But also, you don't have to be yeah. upset at seeing this because it can be upsetting to yes. some people. Yeah, perfect. That's exactly right. That yeah. said, I freaking love this movie. Oh, yeah, me too. This is such a good movie. It is like, Pat Chanwick is just such a good director. Like, from the scene where um, the girl, the Korean handmaiden, is going to the house for the first time mm. and it's along the coast. Yeah. And I think that's the title screen. From that shot, I was like, oh, wow, I'm so in this because that shot is the most gorgeous thing. Every frame is a painting yeah. in this film. Like, it is so beautiful. It kind of does a bit of a, like, Wes Anderson heightened reality thing, but it, it just is so beautiful. The way things are framed and the way people are framed and just the absolute gorgeousness of the whole thing. And then even down to, like, the set where there's, like, a scene with her family and even that, which, like, they're not meant, they're meant to be, like, a poor family. The set is just so lavish and yeah. gorgeous and amazing and detailed. It's just it is so a, beautiful. It's a shop. Um, they yeah. have a pawn shop, so mm, it's beautiful. Um, just everything is so beautifully put together. Yeah, it is, and like, and also the mystery of the movie is set up really, really cleverly because from the moment it starts, you don't really understand what's going on, but there's these little clues just being dropped enough that you want to know. Mm. Like from just the very beginning. Yeah, all these little things and you're like, what's that about? Yeah, why what, Why is she carrying a baby around? Why is this happening? Why what's is that the hairpin? Yeah. yeah, all of this yeah. stuff that you just don't know anything about but you want to find out more. Yeah, yeah. Um, is really good. And then like second act, everything changes. Mm. And then, you know, you're throwing. Oh, my God. Um, it's it's kind of like a roller coaster ride. It, it's amazing. The plotting of this is, it's it's like, uh, um, it's based on a novel called Fingersmith by Sarah Walters that came out about 20 years ago, which was a pretty well-known novel. And it actually has an, a, a miniseries adaptation starring um, Sally Hawkins, but I've never watched it. But okay. it the plotting is amazing. The, the novel is set in Victorian England, and this is mm. set in 1930s Korea under Japanese rule. Um, I don't know how much people will know about that, but there's a book out this year called Pachinko that talks also about that period. Um, so there's probably a bit more attention being paid to that era of Korean and Japanese history in recent times. So you can you can go and, and look that up. It's a pretty horrible time. The Japanese invaded Korea and were just really awful to them and, and 
remain awful to this day to um, Koreans who live in Japan. So there's there's quite a lot of history going on there. But the, the shift from Victorian England to that time period works really well because it allows them to do a whole lot of stuff around class mm. um, in kind of a, a really interesting way. But I don't know what the novel is like. I don't know if its plot is as equally twisty and fun as this, but this plot was kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll talk about the Korean and Japanese stuff when we get into the plot. I, d- I just don't want to – Yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot in it and I want to yeah. unpack it properly later yeah um, there's, there's stuff to unpack in the movie but i but just to kind of yeah give people an idea about that that's something probably also you may want to look up the wikipedia afterwards you won't have time to look it up while you're watching the movie because you will need to read the movie and you need to pay attention to every bit mm. of the movie yeah and and the movie switches between languages as well, a lot as well so if you um, do speak japanese or korean and not both you will probably still need to be reading the movie quite a bit because it yeah. it the they switch Yes. Frequently between Japanese yeah. and Korean throughout the movie. I, I don't notice that because I only speak very tiny amounts of Japanese. So I don't know. I didn't notice not speaking either language, but you, they do mention it in the yeah. subtitles. So, yeah, I, I, um, I can tell you about it after. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll get into but, it. Um, yeah. So we'll we're going to do the spoiler section now. Yeah, because um, it's too we... hard, but, but hopefully go if, if you are, you know, you meet the rating criteria of 18 plus and you are, comfortable with with some of the the triggers so look that up if that's an issue for you go and watch this movie because it's amazing and it deserved a much greater release than it had yeah so the one of the reasons i think that it's known as um the lesbian movie as well is because Uh there was controversy around that in terms of its submission for oscars it wasn't submitted and they think there's a um theory that that's because of the lesbian content Uh, korea Korea didn't submit it as their foreign language yeah yeah so um there's like a lot of controversy around that sort of thing mm. um so i think that's one of the reasons why it's known as that like mm. because the there was some controversy i think in korea and people were upset that it was such a good movie that didn't get the audience or the praise that it deserved mm. because it wasn't advertised as much because of the content yeah so i think that's worth noting as well yeah so yeah. now that we're getting into the spoiler stuff god like my notes on this movie which i wasn't taking notes to start with but i was sitting there going wow i haven't liked a movie this much since we saw professor marston okay but then it got to a point probably around the point of the end of the first act where the big plot twist happens mm. where i just went i have to take notes <laughs> yeah i must write about this yeah I didn't take notes because I didn't know we were going to do this for the podcast and I watched it about a week ago. So my memory is going to be spottier. I did pay attention, mm. but like it was a week ago and I haven't taken notes and I've seen movies since then. Yeah. But um, I, with the names in particular and mm. the Korea-Japanese relations, I think it's interesting to note that there are no Japanese people in this movie. There are no ca- Japanese characters mm. in this movie. Isn't um none uh, of them are Japanese. Hideko meant to be? No. Ah. Because... Her uncle is Korean. Yeah, yeah. So her family, um, she might be half Japanese, but her family is in fact Korean through her dad's line. Right, right. So, But she's the niece of the uncle's wife. So the uncle's wife must have been Japanese. But they talk about how she's Korean at one point. Right, but like, she also gets so, called Japanese by other Kore- by Koreans. Yes. But I think there's like some sort of like mixed right. something. Okay. But yeah. like it so is- that explains why she's living in Korea then. Because I I did wonder about that. Well, she doesn't really talk about going back to Japan. Like no, she, she, was, she born was born in Korea. Yeah, she in, in Korea. Korea. Like that. So there's a lot of really complex stuff going on with Korea and Japan. The the Japanese rule of Korea and that class stuff. And there's a lot of like everybody who is said to be Japanese in this movie is Korean pretending to be Japanese mm. or didn't know that they were part Korean. Yeah. 
which I think is the case with Hideko. I don't remember the exact thing, but mm. like they talk about how she wasn't like one of the lines wasn't fully Japanese. So right, okay, I might have missed that bit, but yeah, I think so. But I, yeah, yeah, it's hard to follow. Oh, it's, uh, there's so much going on here. I watched it last night and I took notes and I didn't pick up all of mm. the stuff. And I also and the actress is also Korean. Yeah, plays and and my Hideko. knowledge of that period, like I, I did just read the novel Pachinko, and that novel actually, a friend of mine, her parents were consultants on that novel because she is in fact Japanese-born Korean, so I know a little bit about it from like that perspective. But yeah, I, uh, my knowledge of the period isn't great uh, either. So there was bits I was missing. For yeah, sure. I, I lived in both these countries, but I don't. I was young, mm. and um, I don't know a huge amount of the history. I do know there's a lot of tension and a lot of hostility mm. between Japan and Korea. There was a really interesting thing when they were talking about what Koreans think of Japan and what J- Japanese people think of Korea. Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah, that kind that of, was the two men, right? Yeah, talking and about there was that. all this sort of self hatred mm. of the Koreans that, like, Korean was low culture and and that Japanese was high culture, and they um, but they were also the uncle was also like he was importing European books, right, mm. translated into Japanese, and so there was that sort of snobbery going on as well yeah and their house was um european style yeah, as well, well ha- was half japanese and half european yeah there was a section that wasn't yes um the, the guest quarters when i basically. say european style there's this whole thing in japan of how they like adapt other culture styles to japanese yes so you get things like karaoke as part of that and the bakeries there and all this stuff mm. they just kind of take things from other cultures and japanize them Mm. which is kind of what I thought of the house. Yeah, Like yeah. they were like, oh, it's a European style but yeah. translated into Japanese. Well, actually one of the things about the home is that it does look like a Victorian England house. Mm. Like you can definitely – you could see a Charles Dickens or maybe not Charles – maybe something a bit darker than that being set in this big old house. Yeah. Which works from the, the source novel but also works for the people that they're involved in because of where the story goes and, and what has been happening in the house and to Hideko. Yeah. But in that conversation about the differences between Japan and Korea and how they see each other, the uncle was talking about how Japanese people are jealous of Korea mm. and how Korea is really beautiful and bit like in a different way and all this sort of stuff. And mm. it was interesting to see that kind of – there's all this like self-hatred of the Koreans and stuff, but the Japanese like who live in Japan are envious of Korea as well. So there's like a – it's more complicated mm. than, and more layered than like – well, like this movie, I guess. Yeah. Than first meets the eye. Yeah. Because they, I mean, all these people, they're all going by these Japanese names and none of them are Japanese, which is a really interesting concept. So there's Hideko and um, and it's... Is it Suki. Suki. Okay. I think. I, think. I, I might have to look that up Because she's introduced first as... There's Okju. Okju. But that's like her fake name, yeah. her fake Korean name. So it's Suki and, and Hideko. Yeah. Um, I think she, yeah, she, she's credited as Suki. Yes, and we first see it from the point of view of Suki trying to trick Hideko into marrying this con man that she knows who is Korean pretending to be Japanese, Mm -hmm. which is the first kind of instance of that that we get. And he's pretending to be a Japanese lord. And uh, she's trying to help him and trick Hideko, but she falls in love with her in the process. And um, yeah, so the the first act ends with her completing... As we, as far as we know, completing her task mm. to trick Hideko into marrying the um, the lord, whose name I've forgotten now, Count something. Um, he's, called, he's called the Count. Count Fujiwara is Count what he's Fujiwara. called. He, but he's he's always called the Count. Okay, no. so 
it, she tricks her into marrying the count, as far as she knows. They go to Japan, and then she gets put in the asylum instead of um, Hideko, Hideko, and everything changes. Yeah, yeah, everything's turned on its head, and then we see the story from Hideko's perspective. But even that, like, to get to that point, we've already been through, like, five twists. Mm. The fact that Suki is a thief and a con artist at all is a twist. Is the in, first twist. Right. comes out pretty early, but it, it's the first twist. Yeah. Because it actually, it's interesting the way it starts because you, it seems to be in the era just before World War II because it starts out with soldiers and like crying families in the rain and mm. Suki handing back a baby and mother giving her a hairpin. It all, it looks like, it looks like one thing, mm. but then we pr- very quickly find out it's another. And Suki's very, you know, innocent, naive Korean country girl act is turned on its head fairly quickly. Right. Which is interesting because ultimately, that kind of is who she is. Mm. Ultimately, she is the naive one in this whole yeah, yeah. web of lies. And she thinks Hideko is, which is fun and interesting. But mm. even at the beginning, I because right at the beginning, there's like five babies. Yes. Like she's carrying babies. Everybody's got babies. I was like, who do all these babies belong to? There's no way that all of these babies are these two girls. No, no. They're all about the same age. No, um, they're also running like an off-the-books adoption ring. Right. So like... Which is but, a plot point in the novel, apparently, as well. But we didn't know that. So no. even right at the start, I was like, well, there's something Something going weird on about this, this right? Yeah. yeah. And, and even with the hairpin, like the fact that the, your attention is drawn to that, you're like, that's an oddly fancy hairpin for an apparently poor family. Well, the fact that it's drawn to that, but then she puts it in a sandwich wrapper. Yeah, yeah. That like, it clearly isn't as precious or important to her as it's made out to be in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Is kind of means something. But yeah, I just loved like seeing Suki's first days in the mansion from Hideko's perspective. Yeah, yeah. It was really fun oh, to I mean, kind of turn it on. That was like really that. good because we kind of go back a bit when the, the big twist happens and uh, Suki is, it ends up in the asylum. We actually go back and see some of Hideko's childhood and how horrible her uncle is mm. and abusive he has been to her. So we kind of see that and we and then we actually so, – and which is really – really hard going and and some of the stuff she's been through and and what happened to her aunt um and you get to a point where fi- finally suki enters the house it's almost like a light moment when you get to see it again from the other side mm. but it's it's interesting as well because um that section is introduced as hideko is and always has been a bitch mm. which is like we then see her be um abused and all that stuff mm. but it's also kind of a step up for the character because up until this point, she's been so wimpy. Yeah. <laughs> and like so naive and so innocent and so nothing, you know. From what we've seen. From what we've seen yeah. and from what we've understood from her, from um, Suki's perspective. There's also a little bit of that whole um, Rashomon thing mm. where like when we see the thing, the same things happening from Hideko's perspective, it's it's quite different mm-hmm. to what we saw from Suki's perspective. So that's quite fun. But yeah, um, it, it, it's like... The abuse and everything is really awful, but it also gives, like, Suki, I mean, Hideko then has agency in her yeah. storyline. and you see why she does the things, makes the choices that she does and mm. is the way she is. Yeah. So that was nice. I do think I preferred Suki, the actress who played her. Oh, yeah. She was so engaging. Right. She was. And the other girl is good, but I didn't find her as mm. um, much of a presence. As... No. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, Kim Tyree. Yeah. who is um, Suki, she is just really, like, sparkling. She's got one of those mm. faces that just tells every thought mm. and she is really just, like, you absolutely know what she's thinking all the time and she's ne- she can't 
um, she, she's trying to be this modest maid girl, but she can't kind of control it. Mm. Um, and you see all that come through in her face and you see the whole, like when she's talking about the earrings and she correctly identifies the gemstones as spinels instead of sapphires. Mm. And it, it's all, you all, you see her go, oh shit, I've gone too far. <laughs> I'm going to give the game away. But like, she's just, um, and even, and they do kind of good stuff with her styling as well, where like her hair gets more and more disheveled mm. as like things unravel further for her. But she just is so sparkling. Yeah. To me, the best actors in the movie were her and the Count. Oh, he was like, great. Yeah. The scenes between them are so good. Mm. I don't know why they decided to age up the uncle like that. It looks weird through the whole movie. Yeah. And it just, it just takes you out of it. Yeah. Because they've given him stuff like really spiky eyebrows and things that just look strange. Yeah. Um, because... When he's young, he's the same age as the Count, like in mm. his actual age, the actual age of the actor. And then they age him up into the – then the grey hair looks weird mm. and the wig looks – it's just – It looks fake the whole time. And the thing is it would have been easier to kind of probably hire an older actor to play that part and then had a like had another actor to play the young part and just d- done something like the tiny sunglasses or something to kind mm. of show – to help the audience know who it's the meant to be. All the facial hair. The facial hair is distinct enough. Yeah, and the, and the eyebrows and stuff, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't see why they couldn't have – hired two actors to do that part yeah and also like the you know when he licks the ink so his tongue's all black and all that stuff like it it's a distinct enough character that you could definitely have two actors playing yes him and i I mean i think it's pretty clear like looking at the posters and stuff that he's meant to be like a key player Mm. and that we're supposed to have i think more of a interest or more of a um and he's supposed to have more of an effect on us than he did for me Mm. Yeah, I mean, by the time we do find out what he's been doing, like you do definitely I, – I, de- I definitely found – thought he was a monster. Um, I but, thought he was when – but the first time we were introduced to him from Suki's perspective, she's like a serpent and like it's a shot of him yeah, yeah. and then the snake on the floor. That's right. And she, he so, won't let her – yeah, and he's got like doors and stuff to not let her into the library. And, yeah. Yeah, like that – So you already know he's and, bad. Yeah, you, I mean, yeah, he's a real villain. Like, yeah. But it's almost – too much of a villain like he's too bad yeah so you never really you never have any sympathy for him because he's he's a f-ing literal torture dungeon yeah he's the worst person that's ever existed but of the four of them he's the least engaging yeah yeah so i kind of feel like they missed the mark with that yeah i don't know if he's famous or anything but that casting just didn't work for me no especially not with the other three like Hideko, the the girl who plays hideko who's also called kim something kim Minhi. I think she only suffers in comparison to the other two who are really strong. Yeah. But she's still quite like I think she's still striking quite good. and memorable and things. Mm. She's just not quite as I, I I for me, like the scenes where it was um Suki and the Count, like they just kind of were the most engaging thing because yeah. the two of them together were really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um and the two actors were really good, you know? Yeah, and no, they both really showed that sort of um both were, you know, undercover. Mm. And when they were together, especially when they're together alone, that kind of – you see the ragged edge of trying to maintain the um, facade for both of them. Yeah. And they both – yeah, they both let that show through really well. He also has um, a really good face in terms of that kind yeah. of expressiveness. He's quite handsome. He is. and he's But he's so watchable. Like, he's mm. a, he's a, also an awful person in this movie. Yeah. And yet, like, I would be excited when he came on screen because I knew that it's something interesting was going to happen. Oh, yeah. So, like, he, he's just really – I just thought he was really great. Mm. Right from when he's – his first introduction into the movie is really great when he walks into that pawn shop, you know? Yeah. 
it's so uh, that's the second introduction sorry he we see him at the house first with Hideko and then we see the yeah his and, introduction and, and, as the and, Korean and yeah and Suki's parents like at the door ready to like punch and then he just kind of saunters on in uh, that's that's the bit that made me think of um Pachinko actually because that Pachinko features a similar kind of character a, a Korean who's pretending to be Japanese and has made a lot of money in Japan and kind of mm. like and is a bit of a con man and it just that was like oh yeah this guy I think I know this guy yeah and I think suits. even if even without that like even without that historical knowledge you yeah. know this guy yeah yeah you do and you oh, know the, this the three piece suits and the yeah the way he yeah the way he carries himself he's just the and the, the the two like the dual personalities mm-hmm. of like the fake count and the real kind of sinister con man and like the, the way scrappy, that he can switch between them yeah but, and because he has grown up you know he's a farm laborer he's really scrappy mm. like he will he can fight in a way that someone who was born to being a count might not be able to yeah it's really fascinating yeah and then when the like when it's the three of them kind of trying to outmaneuver each other it gets really fun yes like that the section when they get to japan that's when all the kind of all really the fun stuff <laughs> kicks in. Yeah. And we really get into the, the best part of the movie for me. Oh um, plus, the, the hotels and stuff in Japan were so good. Oh. Like it all looked so good. The, yeah. The whole thing. just I would just keep seeing shots and just be like, wow, that's mm. gorgeous. Everything was just perfectly like aligned and framed. And there's a the bit where, where they take her off to the asylum. It's just this grey brick mm. background. All these people dressed in white and um, Suki is in red and she's literally fighting. Like she looks like a boxer being mm. held back. It's just this amazing shot. And we see it from a couple of different angles and it goes up really high. Just such a gorgeous shot. Mm. Just everything is beautiful in this movie. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, it was similar with Stoker. Stoker yeah. is so beautifully yeah. shot and so yeah. dark and twisty and yeah, like this was after Stoker, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Stoker was 2013, I think, and yeah, this yeah. is 2016, God, um, which is one of the reasons we were so excited amazing. to see this. Yeah, and we just never got to. God, was, yeah, he's sucks. such a good director. He is. such a good director. Whatever he's making, it's absolutely worth seeing. Yeah, and it's so it's like it's so interesting because it's so sumptuous and yet so like dark and twisted. Oh God, yeah. But even the like even the stuff that is kind of dark, like is really beautifully shot when they're destroying all of the books it's so good it looks so great yeah oh i just remembered you texting me last night <laughs> you texted tentacle, me porn. tentacle porn and yeah and you were like oh yeah i'm watching the handmaiden tonight instead of tomorrow yeah yeah um, i'm not that you needed the context because, no and yeah I, it's honestly it's lucky i didn't shout tentacle porn in the middle of the night because it was just like oh my god it was really dark the abuse mm. and what the uncle was doing like really dark and i mean and all the stuff around ropes and hanging which is yeah where it could i think be quite triggering for people was so dark but very well done like it actually uses fetish in kind of an interesting way because it does it does that it um the uncle misuses fetish mm-hmm. and, and as abuse but fetish when used you know by consenting people is is entirely different so the movie makes a lot of use of like ropes and corsets and small rooms and confinement and all that kind of stuff and and it comes in early as well like it hints at things before mm. you get to it like people you know choking each other and all that sort of thing but what we we also um the rope that she's got in the hat mm. box up in the mm. cupboard suki brings it out and is confused by it early and yeah stuff. yeah and then the balls as well yeah um which keep coming back again yeah and that's that's the place where like then there's the fetish is explored by the girls when it's consensual and stuff yeah, like that. And, and yeah, and that's how the movie ends, with yeah. the two of them doing that in a consensual sort of way. Yeah, it just 
it's really kind of deep symbolism, lots of symbolism, and mm. you sort of see it over and over again. It's also got a thing about doors. There's lots of dramatic door entrances, sliding door entrances in this movie. Yeah. By some um quite in quite dramatic ways. They're kind of a little bit um the performances are kind of heightened as well as the visuals. Like the way some of the performances are just a little bit like they're above realism level mm. and they they that I think really helps make the story rock along a bit. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um especially when she's doing the readings and all that sort of stuff, Hideko becomes really interesting, like her the way that she has processed her abuse and the way that she is like mm. living her life now and everything. And then when she abuses the maids as well. Mm. It was really interesting to see kind of the darker side of her come out. Yeah. And how um, being with Suki helps her get past that. I also really just was thrilled when she started dressing up as a man to escape. Like the yeah. little, I like when they do the little setup for what's going to happen with the, the, the passport photo and her little, um, her little mustache and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, so cute. cute. Um, but like even before that, they do that with the, um, the count as well, the little passport stuff mm. to set up what's going to happen to him and everything is really yeah. like, it's a really clever way of giving us like the information about what's going to happen. Mm. And I, enjoyed all of that stuff and like all of the twists and turns and things that mm. like that's when it gets into that kind of like Hitchcockian sort of thing where it gets really fun like when you know traveling across borders and escapes and daring you know rescues and oh my god it's I so do cool. want to know how they got all of Suki's family over to Japan though um I mean I guess the money that was probably part of it yeah but like the money doesn't belong to Hideko at that point no it's not hers because she married the count so the count would I mean, have control over the money suki's family and they don't have any money no and the count, to be poor. but the, the count and the uncle die though the end no but so yeah but that's way late. like this is much earlier suki's so suki's left her family in, in korea, korea yeah and then they they free her from the um asylum in mm. japan yeah so, so at some point we have to get suki's so I family think the count might have been involved in that. No, because oh, no, he, he was he wasn't. No, because he 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 thought that he and Hideko were um, using Suki. That was their plan. Yeah, I. So the conversation that they have, which I watched a couple of times over lunch, I actually thought that he had in fact sent the money back to Suki's family, or at least some money back to them, and that was okay. how they got in. But but then, but then I don't know if he then organized them to come to Japan and get her out of. No, he wouldn't have. No. That would, but he was think, planning to kill her. Yeah, but I think he'd possibly sent them the money to get them off his, out of his hair. But Yes, but then somebody's got to tell them about the thing and then they've got to travel to Japan, yeah, and which would it, be difficult it, in it, the it time. It must be Suki and, and Hideko. Yeah. Like, it can be no one else. Yeah, it ha- but I, <laughs> the thing is it's supposed to be a big surprise. Yeah. But, like, it just seems like it would be like it was so much trouble for them to organize this stuff. And getting from Korea to Japan was quite hard in that time. Yeah, and they you can see them travel by boat. It would have taken yeah. them a long time. So they have to plan this like a while back. Maybe they had it all planned before they left Korea, but then like mm. the money and stuff, it's yeah. just like how did it all work? And then his, her family just kind of disappear once they get to Japan. Yeah. Yeah, because of the way the count says, oh, we should be getting a phone uh, message soon to say that there was a, an accident at the asylum. I just thought he, yeah, he, he had was some planning knowledge. to kill her. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I don't know how that worked. Hideko, I'm, I'm sure, because Hideko went and found her at the place that they, they like the safe house. Her away. They, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Hideko had to have planned for her family to come over and free her. Yeah. 
but like it had to have been a long time ago but she didn't she seemed surprised to find out that he was going to kill Suki. the timelines aren't always clear either like they might have been on the run for longer or this might have been something i don't it's yeah I don't know. I don't know. It was something that as soon as it was happening that I was thinking about. Yeah, right. Because I was like, when did they get here? How did they get here? They were in Korea. And like in a time when it's difficult to travel from Korea to Japan, especially if you're – what happened to all the babies that they were looking after? Yeah, or they sold all the babies and the shop and then they (laughs) – Right. So they had to to have enough time to sell all the babies and the shop and get over to Japan. And probably get the money from the count. So they have to actually get the money. Right. and, And actually have the money to come over. Mm. They have to be able to do all of that stuff, right? And know the asylum that she was going to be in and create a plan to get her so out the of other, that asylum. The other thing that could have happened is the Count could have had this deal with the family that, like, if anything happened to her, he would get them out of Korea or something. There could have been some kind of – so then if he thinks – I don't know. Yeah, but it, like, none of that kind of – like, the only thing that makes sense is for Hideko to have organized all of that. Yeah, no, pretty much. But the timing of that – it would have had to have been like months in advance. They would have had to have already known all the stuff that was going to happen and like been planning on that. So either it's just a really, really good coincidence that they happened to break her out before she got murdered. Yeah. Or like, yeah, there's no way that timeline like, will match up. Yeah. Well, they, they clearly broke her out during the event that was supposed to murder her. Because I they assumed, planned it. I assumed the they fi- planned the arson. Oh, see, I had assumed the fire was meant to be the event that murdered her. No, they did, and the, they did that because okay. they had the the, um, the, the, the fire the gear. Fire gear. Yeah. So they that was their escape plan for her. Yeah, I the murder was. I think that. Yeah, I think that even happens on the day that he says the next day. Yeah, yeah, there'll be find. a murder. Yeah. yeah, So, yeah, it must. It's just, yeah, the timing doesn't. Anyway, there's, there's some t- that's complicated. Doesn't matter. Complicated <laughs> like, plotting. It is. It, it's a. It's a thing that's like, so that you can be excited when her family shows up to save her. Mm. You have to put aside all of this suspension like you have to suspend your disbelief for yeah. how that all happened and, and but yeah. it's but it's interesting in a movie that has been so interested in the details and the function of getting from one place to another and how hard it is yeah. and how like you know how tough it is for korean people and and how tough it is just for these people to get anywhere so yeah, yeah. anyway also really fascinating right at the end of the movie um there's this complete reversal and suki's traveling on her own under her own name mm. and Hideko's pretending to be her husband mm. is really kind of an interesting twist on the whole thing. Mm. The movie's, movie's so much fun. Like, and then the end of it when the when they're celebrating and she takes the moustache off her and everything. Yeah. Although I, I imagine she would have to continue to pretend to be a man for a while. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I wonder where they were going. I don't know. Some uh, sort of lesbian paradise. Yeah. <laughs> they're off to Themyscira. <laughs> like, they're going to join the Amazons. Yeah, I mean, once they've found a you know a place to live and whatnot, if they've got money to live on and and all yeah. that kind of thing, they can kind of, you know, I guess I I don't know that actually would be a good question, but let's not worry about that because they're too sweet and it's really nice that they find each other and and it's and like no queers die, no gays are killed in the um in the happy ending of this movie. So that's true. That's just a happy ending for them. Only yeah. the bad guys die. That's right. Although the, the, that scene was also really good. Like I'm oh usually not I'm usually not a big fan of torture scenes. No. But I think just because there was that kind of sense that like the power dynamic wasn't what it seemed. And the cigarette thing as well. They've been drawing yeah. your attention to that cigarette case for a while and you kind of 
and also him making cigarette his own cigarettes mm. as well. So you kind of were... and the poison had already been hit on so heavily. Yeah, like I knew when he was like, "Oh, can I have a cigarette?" I was like, "Oh yeah, he's going to kill them both." Yeah, but it's just interesting to watch it all play out and to watch the guy who yeah. thinks he's been. And it's also because this villain thinks he's been so smart. Mm-hmm. And he's been so controlling of everybody. Yeah, and he thinks um, he's he's good at it. Yes, well. and he, to watch him be undone by the lesser villain yeah. is a really interesting yeah twist. Like the way that plays out is really mm. cool. Yeah, I, I didn't love the finger cutting off bit, but yeah, otherwise, I yeah, it bothered me less than I thought it would. Yeah, um, I but, mean, at this point, after the things we've seen him do, you just like yeah, you know, of course, of course, this is um, what's going to happen. Plus, it was just like. I don't know, that actor's so good. Like, the, mm. the way that he was showing, like, that he was hurting without wanting to show that he was hurting was so good. Oh, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. so good. Yeah. Um, but he just kept that scene, like, it was so drawn out, but it mm. still was so tense the whole time. Yeah. Mm. It was great. I loved that. And it, they were switching back and forth between that and the um and Suki and um, Hideko escaping as well. Yeah. And, yeah, you were talking about how it's heightened. I think the heightened le- nature of it and, and not making it, like, gritty. Mm-hmm kind of makes it all more bearable and more watchable. Mm. Yes. Like to keep it away from that grittiness and that kind of – Because – Keeping it from being too real, I guess. Right. And I think it, there would have been a real temptation to that, especially if you were doing the, that kind of – if you were going for the Victorian setting of the original novel mm. and something, again, that Pachinko does is it go, kind of goes into the grittiness because life was so harsh at that time Yeah, in for Koreans – under Japanese rule and so getting away from that and into that more heightened more beautiful sense of it kind of yeah it, it makes it a different experience yeah yeah mm-hmm. and like there's this whole kind of revenge fantasy thing playing out yeah which is very much a Park Chun-wook thing um he did make sympathy for Lady, Lady Vengeance like this is right. this is very that. much in his wheelhouse mm. but um yeah it's it's really interesting to see how it all works and the, you know you by the time it finishes you're so rooting for the girls as oh well. my god it, and it's one of those movies where it finishes and you're like i can't just go to bed now <laughs> i can't just like go back into the world yet <laughs> yeah netflix is trying to play me the voltron trailer and i'm like no no i need some time <laughs> this um, was amazing yeah yeah there's so many good things on netflix at the moment too like if you go through the critically acclaimed movies section mm. they've added so many good movies this this month I'm just slowly making my way through. Yeah, so, yeah, this was a good one to do. Anyway, shall we wrap up and give ratings? I think we should. Um, I will give this – no, I, I'm going to give this movie five stars. I thought it was really good and I can't think of any reasons not to. I mean, there's the makeup thing, but that's so minor. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll say five stars. I liked it. It was good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I might have to as well because – it's such a good movie and it sticks with you so well. But And it's also like, yeah, to be two and a half hours long and to keep you on the In edge of your Korean seat. Korean and Japanese and I, I to keep you engaged on the edge of your seat. Mm. And I'm never engaged at home when I watch movies. Like, But I was I didn't look at my phone. I didn't – except to kind of like, oh, can I get up the Wikipedia about mm. the Japanese version? Yeah. Like except for movie-related things, I was so into it. Yeah. I was doing things like where I, I was like, oh, but this girl's not 
Japanese, right? And things uh, yeah, like that. Uh, like, and I turned off, like, I turned down the lights in the lounge room so I could watch it, like, mm. see better. It is an experience, this film. And it maintains that experience, whether, even if you're watching it on a laptop, honestly, it's amazing. Yeah, it's so good. And it, but don't watch it on a laptop because it's gorgeous. And it, that will just, like, waste half the experience because I yeah. wish we could have seen it at the cinema. It would have oh, been amazing. Man, that would have been good. Um, but yeah, even just watching it on TV, it's so engaging. There was also one thing that I forgot to say about that scene mm. and, and the letter that Hideko sends her uncle where she's like, the guy that you were trying to impress with your perfect Japanese is also Korean pretending to be like yeah, both of yeah. them are Korean pretending to be Japanese mm-hmm. is so much fun. But then that, um, so most of the time the girls speak Korean together mm. and the men speak Japanese together. But when they're speaking to the men, they're speaking Japanese unless it's Suki and the count mm. when they speak. So they speak it Korean switches constantly. Mm. Like it's, well, I and would say a, probably about half and half. Yeah, and, and Hideko is deliberately speaking Korean with Suki and in most of her, like, when she's not working because Japanese to her is the language of being abused by her uncle. Yeah. So, she and she, she says that at one point as well. Sort of, yeah. She, she implies that the, the reading is in Japanese and so I don't want to speak Japanese any other time. Oh, Okay. Um, I thought I only remember the bit at the beginning where she implies that. Yeah, um, I don't know if she actually says it out loud, but it, it, there is something. It's, it's a line like that. She's like, "Oh, the, the readings give me such a headache." Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's implied rather than that, explicit. That, that the Japanese is the language of abuse for her, mm. and so she speaks in Korean, um, and that yeah, th- that's significant. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, they they but they switch a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I. If you are like, if you speak Korean or Japanese, you're still going to probably have to um, keep the subtitles on because it's so much going on. And the subtitles aren't great, unfortunately. Yeah, I think they're mostly pretty good, but there 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 were definite like mistakes that I saw in the subtitles. Yeah, mistakes in the English. Yeah, Yeah. mistakes Um, in the English. But also, um, my Japanese isn't great, but I know a few of the translations were a little kind of lacking. hmm. I know that they translate for meaning as well, like for for clarity and stuff but yeah, yeah. The, there were definite like there were there were grammatical and spelling errors in the subtitles as well yeah all right uh thank you very much for listening to the silver screen queens podcast if you would like to see show notes or old episodes they're on our website silverscreenqueens.com if you want to uh, find us on social media we're at screen underscore queens on twitter facebook.com forward slash silver screen queens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on tumblr thank you for listening bye bye <laughs>